Welcome back, insiders, and great news for you as you tune in. You're listening to part one of a two-part special with a few of our partners, Ashray, NTT, Igor, and Southwire. So how many of you felt like working from home is like now totally normal and having to go back into the office is like kind of weird? If you agree with me, I have a feeling I might be a remote worker for as long as I can be. There are some pros and cons to this, though. Some pros are not having to carve out the time to drive to the office and some cons snacking more than usual throughout the day. But when it comes to it, organizations that are back into the office must be even more mindful of who goes in, where they are, and how safe their building is to ensure that their workers are safe and healthy. In these two episodes, we'll be focusing on how smart building solutions, as well as how organizations are leveraging solutions to take a step to be more sustainable and eco-friendly. Featuring a few speakers from different organizations, we've got some pretty insightful things to talk about. And here to help me talk through it are speakers from ASHRAE, Igor, Southwire, and NTT. I'll start with our ASHRAE speaker first. Chuck, can you tell us who you are and a quick fun fact about yourself? Thank you, Jasmine. I'm Chuck Gulledge. I'm the immediate past president of ASHRAE. And for those who do not know what ASHRAE even stands for, it's the American Society of Heating, Refrigerating, and Air Conditioning Engineers. We're a global 50,000-plus member organization around the world. And we like to focus on the cool and the heat of what happens within buildings. And I think I should probably share with you the, the vision of who we are, but I think I'll hold that for later. A fun fact, I speak French. Well, yes, uh, je parle français un peu. And I actually got to perform live with Cirque du Soleil at one of their shows where I got brought up onto the stage. I became friends with the clowns. I spoke French with them. They tried to keep me. It's a love affair that went very well. But that was my one claim to fame in the uh, theater world. Awesome. Great to have you here, Chuck. I'll go to our Igor speaker. Kim, can you do a quick intro of yourself as well? Hi, of course. I'm Kim Johnson. I lead marketing at Igor, a smart building technology company. We're really software focused in bringing the IoT to buildings. A fun fact is that I did live in Japan for a couple of years after college. So um, there you go, Jasmine. Very cool. I've never been there. So if I ever do go, I'll make sure to hit you up for some recommendations. Absolutely. Right. Next up, we have our speaker from Southwire. Alex, do you want to give us a quick intro of yourself? Thanks, Jasmine, for having me. Excited to be here today. Uh, Alex Bunda from Southwire Spark Innovation Center. Uh, my maybe not fun, but interesting fact is that my, my formal education background is in film and television production. So from an early age, you could find me running around with a camera, tinkering with editing software. And that curiosity really led me into the innovation space today. Uh, an additional, uh, you know, get to pull from a lot of my curriculum from college, like color theory, documentary production, uh, storytelling. These skills really became powerful and full circle as uh, to the design thinking work that's done at Spark today. So excited to uh, be here and participate. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, Alex. And you'll fit right into the podcasting world today. And last but not least, we have two speakers from NTT. I'll start with you, Philip. Um, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, um, hi, everyone. Um, so Philip Priest from NTT. So we're a global SI and managed service provider, traditionally based out of Japan, um, but now internationally um, based as well. So, so Kim, it's great to hear your experience of Japan. 
Um, so fun fact about myself is I'm a huge US sport fan, even though I'm based here in the UK, but also in cycling, so regularly can be found on my bike at weekends. Cool. Thank you so much, Philip, for being here. And Grant, you are, last but not least, give us a few words about yourself. Thanks, Jasmine. Yeah, Grant Donald, also part of the Entity Limited uh, group company. Um, I'm responsible for the campus networking portfolio globally. And uh, a fun fact is I'm a South African with a British passport married to a German living in North Carolina in the US. Thanks, Jasmine. Thank you, Grant. And I hope North Carolina is keeping you happy. (laughs) Great. So thank you so much once again, speakers, for being here and taking the time to talk to our insiders. But let me get started. And I'll start with the bigger picture here. So Cisco has been working to power an inclusive future for all, which to me personally means that we at Cisco are using our technology to bridge the gaps of inequity and exclusion worldwide. So that means trying our best to provide opportunity for all. So we'll go around the virtual table, but I'll start with Phil here. Could you tell us your vision statement and how you think our partnership emphasizes that? Yeah, totally, Jasmine. Um, so from an entity perspective, it's really how we can actually use technology to help society and grow a more sustainable future. A lot of work we've been doing in particular with the UN Sustainability Goals and signing up as a business avenger for that, and, and the particular focus around sustainable cities and, cities and communities it is really key to everything that we drive and how we're looking to build our solutions out and engage with our clients going forward. So as I mentioned, We make smart building software and a few hardware components, but we don't do it all to make a smart building happen. And I think that's why we're here because no company can do it all. Instead, it's through this community of partners that we can bring our technology together. So when you speak of inclusion, I think it can mean, obviously can mean many things, but what I think is at the bedrock of an inclusive workforce, an inclusive building, inclusive smart technology is collaboration among many different partners to make that happen. In order for smart technology to frankly benefit humanity, we play to our strengths and work together. And it's important that as companies here um, and as people in companies that we make sure we're inclusive in terms of who we have on our teams to ensure all voices are heard in the development of this smart building and inclusive building, um, because our environment is just as important as everyone inside of it to create that collaboration. Kim, on the topic of collaboration, I'll jump in next from Southwire's perspective, be it that we've gotten to spend so many uh, virtual tables together over the past 18 months. <laughs> Probably makes sense first to introduce to the listeners here, uh, who is Southwire? And really, you know, Southwire is one of the leading manufacturers of wire and cable products that are used in the transmission and distribution of electricity today. Uh, we deliver power to millions of people around the world, and nearly one in two homes built in the United States contain our wire products. The innovation culture at Southwire, though, was really birthed when the company was founded. Roy Richard Sr., our, our founder, uh, started the company to bring power to rural Georgia, and it extends today into the innovation culture that exists here at the Spark Innovation Center in uh, Midtown Atlanta. Uh, our vision is is making the future current, though. Pardon the electrical pun, guys. Uh, our team is responsible really for for future scanning, uh, and that's going to help influence decisionality behind uh, our business partners inside of Southwire's organization, the executive team, our board of directors, and, and really become sort of a, a a place to create and execute strategy from an organizational perspective. 
And exactly this conversation today is what, what we uh, enjoy to be a part of, what we want to have happen inside of our studio space. Uh, so for those that may find yourself in the Midtown Atlanta area, please feel free to uh, hit us up, knock on our door, and come talk all things electrical and smart building with us. Ashray's vision is a healthy and sustainable environment, built environment for all. And the relationship we have with Cisco is providing the backbone and the infrastructure in our built solutions to collect the data, to manage the data, and provide informed information that we can use to make informed decisions to deliver sustainable solutions. Cool. Thanks, guys. Great to have you here. And I think all of us are on the same page when it comes to the sustainability aspect of life. Um, And it's really cool to see how all of you have some commonalities. So in our partnership, there are a few areas where we've collaborated. Digital and customer experience, intelligent workplace, and cloud transformation, to just name a few. What are some things you did as an organization to help clients meet their end goals, like creating a better environment for their workforce? Chuck, I'll start with you. Okay, great. Um, You're providing an integral partnership, if you will, for our new ASHRAE headquarters, and you're helping us turn the renovation of a 1970s era building into a living laboratory of uh, digital technology and information collection. It's just incredible what we are able to do. And you are helping us not only deal with that day one uh, move in, but looking at this from a continuous improvement standpoint of what can be done to improve the uh, footprint of our buildings and how can we squeeze more energy out and how can we reduce carbon? And you're an incredible partner in this relationship. You know, as it applies to the smart building space, Southwire's product is the physical connectivity between smart devices, Cisco switches, lighting fixtures, sensors, anything really across the topography of the building itself, um, but also behind the building at the grid level. So not only do we work with building and owners and operators, but the utility providers who are bringing that electricity to the building, as they modernize their systems and progress smart grids throughout the country. Uh, I'd be remiss not to make mention of the fact that our innovation center in in Tech Square is more than just a place to conduct future-focused work. It becomes really a playground for the implementation of this technology, a place where we can test, pilot, experiment with technology uh, as a building occupant, uh, as a partner to our contractor network who install these devices, who are facing, you know, exorbitant labor shortages, as a partner to utilities as they understand the changing power needs for smart buildings and as a partner to uh, hardware and software companies like Igor and others to showcase and learn from the implementation uh, and, and ultimately connectivity of the smart building. Yeah, I think, you know, Igor builds on everything that's just been said. You know, our goal is to be that software that unifies the components, but we need the hardware infrastructure behind it to make it happen. And ultimately, we've moved forward with the idea that this low voltage power over ethernet backbone is going to be the best way to scale scale this technology and so it requires um, that power sourcing equipment to the infrastructure to understanding even um, how energy comes into the building and and then our software can really work off of that and, and historically there has been you know smart hvac smart lighting smart shades and more but often they've required their own systems or solutions there were proprietary requirements. So if they can't work together, 
you you're creating something that might seem smarter individually, but actually ends up being more complicated and harder to use than if they spoke to each other. So that's the, the issue that Igor is trying to solve. And, you know, that's why I think that we're really complementary with a lot of the expertise on not just this podcast, but a lot of the other ones that you've had, Jasmine. You know, how can you create automations and learn from your data if your systems are separate? So that's our goal. We bring it together and um, we work off of really high quality products and partners to do that. Okay, uh, just, you know, Grant from NTT, just to, to build on, on what Kim and Alex have been saying, um, you know, we provide the, not just the network, but, but the, you know, the, all the components that, that make up the workplace and, and the smart building um, network infrastructure. You know, Cisco talk about connect anything, you know, that comes to IoT, it comes to the sensors, it comes to things like the access control, the environmental monitoring, you know, all of that requires a platform that, that is basically the network. So both the, the switches in the wireless that, that's in the building, you know, the network analytics, the location analytics that go with that, you know, we provide all of that to our clients, both, you know, the Meraki side and the Cisco side, Cisco Ian. And, and that's where we provide a lot of value. So, because not only do we provide the network, um, we also provide the, the, the trusted workplace technologies. What I say to clients, we provide the glue that puts all of these things together. And, you know, that's really, really important that, that that foundation is built properly. And, you know, on top of that network, as I said, is, is full and, and, the, and the workplace stuff. So, Phil, do you want to talk about how it all becomes one big solution? Yeah, so I think typically, and this is kind of an example of some of the work we did with, um, the, the guy, with Chuck and the guys at Ashray with, with, with Cisco too, is around really looking at kind of that, or, or entity kind of role as, as we like to describe as the master integrator. So it's looking at these solutions, solutions holistically, but also importantly, looking at actually what's the outcomes that we're trying to deliver for clients into the buildings as well. So actually what's some of the capability um, and especially around some of the things around the pandemic, around some of kind of the, the, the safely return to office or safely operating in the office, things like monitoring social distancing became key to that, but also things around booking spaces, booking rooms, how you manage visitors, so all these uh, different components, building out kind of what is those success stories and what are those journeys that you want for your employees or the users of the buildings, all the way through to then how you actually plan on managing those buildings, the different tools that you need to provide to those, those different profiles. So really working with kind of the different partners within this space to actually bring that together into to where Kim was saying as as there's multiple different vendors and multiple different players and actually how do we work across as a, as a partnership and as a group to actually deliver these solutions for clients is key to that success. Wow so talk about teamwork making the dream work. I know it's cliche but I feel like you guys have really painted the picture about that so that's great. It's amazing to see how organizations like yourselves are taking steps to help their clients meet their goals and bring their visions to life. Some client goals involve sustainability and moving to a model that is more efficient and eco-friendly. So what trends have you all seen when it comes to sustainability? Kim, I'll start with you. So Jasmine, this is something where I'm personally very passionate about and everyone at Igor um, shares in a sustainable future vision. But I think if I had to tap on one trend that I think is here to stay, you will be hearing a lot more about the DC microgrid. I'm sure your audience has familiarity, but 
A DC microgrid, where DC means direct current, is a localized power grid that can run independent of the main power grid. You know, it's bringing it more localized, hence the term microgrid. And typically, these are powered by solar panels, fuel cells, wind turbines, green energy. So <clears throat> this really aligns with what a lot of customers and businesses are demanding in terms of their ESG goals. It's really has an impact, potential impact in terms of helping our buildings become greener because buildings use 40% of our energy uh, usage in the United States. It depends on how you look. The stat can vary a little bit, but it's a lot. So if we can transition our buildings to a greener way, a greener way of operating, which you know we really believe could be this DC microgrid, it's an, a fantastic way to lessen the strain on our grid infrastructure, which anyone who's been paying attention this last year, you know, there's so many examples of power disruption in California due to wildfires, the extreme heat in the Northwest, that extreme cold in Texas. And so not only can microgrids, DC microgrids help avoid those problems of the massive AC power grids, but they also have the ability to really create smart buildings that can be almost fully sustainable in it of themselves and be in complete control of what, how power is generated, transmitted, distributed, and used. So um, a great example that I know this audience might have heard about previously is the Sinclair Hotel in Fort Worth. And they've been very vocal in how they've been envisioning this DC microgrid and how they have worked to achieve it in their own building. So that's a great thing for people to check out. But I, I don't think this is going away. And I think with climate change and how people are really aware and expecting more from companies, um, the DC microgrid will only become more important. Jasmine, you know, we have a really interesting vantage point here to share in terms of not only helping our customers achieve their uh, environmental sustainability goals, but also in terms of Southwire achieving our own goals. Uh, you know, sustainability is really a core tenant for us at Southwire as a family business. We're, we're proud to be building on a historical commitment at the family level to environmental stewardship uh, and corporate sustainability. We've set some fairly aggressive goals ourselves, like achieving 100% zero carbon energy uh, for our operations by 2025. And really to get there, it's gonna you know, require us reducing our onsite energy usage, uh, installing onsite renewable energy sources, supporting the transition of our electricity providers to low carbon energy sources, uh, and to Kim's point, you know, enabling a DC microgrid. So implementing a, a smart system here at Spark was was a no-brainer, obviously. You know, in conventional lighting systems, there's AC to DC conversions at every light fixture, ultimately. And in our system, those conversions are centralized at the power sourcing equ equipment, which, uh, you know, allows for fewer total energy conversions, ultimately, you know, resulting in energy savings. And it allows us to not only be conscious about our energy consumption, but decisive about our energy consumption. We can program energy saving behaviors, be data cognizant and, and glean insights from the data that we generate, uh, not just from our system, but across our, our global footprint and, and use that to better understand how employees and visitors interact with our space, you know, drives really informed decision making, uh, not only from what we would choose to implement at our facilities, but how we operate them and how we continue to remain environmentally conscious of, of the impact that we're making as a, as a corporation. Alex, I love how you phrase that from Ashray's perspective. The trend of the future is to have the digitally smart building that can be responsive to whatever the event is. 
whether it's a resiliency discussion of acute scenario or whether it's just the continuous improvement of moving beyond commissioning day one, but understanding the building and how it responds to the occupants and optimizing and finding what is the best operating mode for that building, whether it's an energy footprint, whether it's a carbon narrative, whether it's a water usage or resource scenario or the wellness of the buildings, the trend of the future, and this is where Cisco and all the partners here, because you've all had a play in, in the new ASHRAE headquarters, it's that collaborative contribution to data, collecting data, managing data, transmitting data and making informed smart decisions about the health safety and operation of our building stock totally spot on there chuck what you're saying because it, it's similar from an entity standpoint we're looking at integration and also the tooling available from cisco to do some of that so one of the big the biggest things we find with clients typically especially when clients that are new to this area is where you tend to have this very disparate team. So you'll have corporate real estate teams, potentially HR teams and IT teams, very disparate teams. So actually a lot of what we find is actually bringing them together to actually start looking at it holistically and get away from the siloed or towered views within that. And that actually starts letting you one look at it holistically, but leveraging kind of the integration, but also then from an NTT standpoint where we supported clients to bring this together, but also we're actually then looking at actually how we're delivering solutions to clients as well and bringing sustainability to that as well. So do we need to send people to site for implementation? Is that something that can be automated? Is is there other ways of delivering things through supply chain as well? So it's not just starting from scope one, but actually looking through the different scopes of actually how we're affecting how we do business, as well as also then the flip side of that is entities a fairly large global employer. So actually we're as much a client of ourselves in these solutions as well. And then looking at how we're delivering the, the, that to our different buildings as well. Um, and I suppose Grant, to the previous bit you discussed around kind of the network being the core to that and the automation that's available. I don't know whether you want to just dig into that a little bit more and what's what we're doing to help clients as well. Yes, thanks Phil. So, I mean, from, from a sustainability point of view and, you know, and an automation point of view, obviously, you know, we have a, an entire division devoted to, to automation and also our managed services use a lot of built-in automation, you know, on-prem and off-site to, to, to make the, the operational side of, of managing a smart building much more efficient. I think what, what's also really important is, you know, and I think it is kind of mentioned is things like the, the network providing digital power plays a big role in, in sustainability. Now, I know we do that in, in, in our London office. Uh, you know, the digital signage, the LED lighting, um, some of the access control is, is all powered by, by UPOE, which is, is provided by, again, the, the network as the foundation. You know, and as you said, all of these things add up. Um, you know, when you can say that your infrastructure is providing a lot of your sustainability goals, um, you know, you're really in a win-win situation. When you take the, the, the basically the, the bonus of having a smart building, as, as Chuck mentioned, you know, that's the vision of the future, but you can meet your sustainability goals as part of the same thing as getting some really clever things that, that your building is doing for you. So, so all really important. I think there's a lot to keep in mind as the world changes. We definitely need to be mindful of how we act and what we use, um, like you guys have touched on, because that affects everything around us. 
many of us have taken steps to be more sustainable and efficient. And I'll jump into a little personal anecdote here. For example, at Cisco, I remember when the company told us in the Research Triangle Park Center RTP, there are no more paper cups and there will be reusable mugs in the break rooms for your ease or convenience and compostable plates and utensils to help meet our goals of lessening our carbon emissions. It was really epic. Although it took some getting used to, I got a cute mug out of it and I felt good about actually using it because I knew it was making an impact, not only just by me drinking coffee out of a mug, but it also had a larger impact outside of just the four walls of the building. So how are you guys implementing solutions or guidelines to safeguard the wellness of your employees in the workforce? I'll tell you some of the things we've done at the new Ashbury headquarters. We analyzed daylighting to make sure we had proper daylighting uh, for the occupants of our building. We decoupled the outside air from the sensible cooling heating devices to make sure that we were providing robust ventilation, well filtered uh, for the inhabitants of the occupied space. We have applied technology and engineering guidance that is focused on making sure that the wellness of the ASHRAE employees and visitors to the facility are given the best possible space possible. It's, it's an important element. It's, it goes beyond just the energy meter. It's what do we do properly and responsibly to make sure that environment for our uh, workers is good and that they enjoy the experience and they're not subjected to um, hazards and negative aspects. So I, I, I'm very proud of what the new ASHRAE headquarters has on that storyline. You know, Jasmine, we're, we're a manufacturing organization and as such safety and health are our cornerstone for us, uh, but we don't wanna just stop there. Uh, you know, we work to enhance the lives of our employees by building a workplace that is uh, diverse, supportive, engaging, uh, really to support the all-around well-being of our employees. Uh, employee no wellness extends so far beyond uh, just making sure that our employees are safe to really enable higher value work creation through the physicality of space at Southwire. Uh, you know, at Spark, we purposely selected each piece of furniture to make uh, it modular to make it easy to transition to enable and encourage collaboration. You know, that means wheels on our tables, movable whiteboards, all the things you're used to seeing in innovation centers to really uh, enable adaptation of our space. We, we were purposeful, though, not just wanting to stop with the furniture where some where some companies do. Uh, the smart office space really aids and enables human centric research that we conduct. Uh, this place becomes a playground for experimentation of technology understanding transformations inside the building uh, and being able to you know try new things you know in the COVID era we we looked at uh, implementing uv sanitization how do we uh, leverage algorithmic bluetooth people counting wayfinding uh, really any interesting technologies that are enabled by a smart lighting system ultimately that translate uh, into a better occupant employee experience at our facilities and poe's poe cables ability to combine this data and power into a single cable uh, make it simple to do a lot of these things, whether it's synchronizing lights, programming advanced behaviors, uh, you know, automatically tuning color temperatures throughout the day, uh, enabling light harvesting like the guys over at Ashray, uh, people counting, 
personalization of our environment, circadian rhythm usage, and, and to our earlier points of being sustainable and conscious of our energy uses. These are all behaviors that we have at Spark today. They're enabled by a smart infrastructure. Uh, and not to mention, this is all going to be really status quo for post-COVID office environments. I'm sure you know we're all facing the, the uphill challenge of what does a post-COVID office environment look like? And the, the smart infrastructure, the bones really need to be there to enable the, the office place of the future. Yeah, I think I think Alex spot on on with a lot of that as well, and, and I think um, Jasmine, one thing we've seen as well, or we've been working on when we're looking at kind of how users are trying to look their space and looking at kind of how the different environmentals then impact the productivity employments. So how do we actually maintain sort of the right comfort levels, and also then looking into things like in meeting rooms and meeting spaces, and we've probably all seen some of the different types of meeting rooms that could make a good impression of a greenhouse. Um, then potentially being sat in that room for two hours isn't necessarily the most productive space. So actually it's looking kind of the different types of space in the building, the different comfort levels that's driven by that. So as Chuck mentioned, so things like the oxygen levels in the air, the, the different types of ventilation, the amount of natural light that people are receiving is huge for actually then looking at that in productivity and how people are working and using the space and, and ultimately leveraging it to its best advantage. Just to add something from my side, um, the interesting thing is, you know, we, we, we're also talking a lot about hybrid workers. In other words, workers that work mainly from home in, in the new world. You know, at some point, sustainability and green is going to extend to, to the home user. You know, at this point, what we're talking about is, is in the office. Um, you know, something interesting to think about is, you know, what are we doing for our users at home? you know, how are they becoming more sustainable? But, um, you know, comfort levels at home are, are normally much better for people than they are in the office, um, which is one of the challenges organizations now have to look at. But part of that is is exactly this discussion, just as an interesting aside. I think this is spot on everyone's answer so far, because as as we're indicating right now, we're really going back to a basic question that we've never asked before. We've always assumed we've known and then the question is, why do offices matter? Why do buildings matter? And because it's this is important because if a building only provides shelter and you can be more comfortable at home, why go back? So buildings and offices need to provide added value in, in part to justify their existence if employees can otherwise work from home in a collaborative way. So smart buildings are more important than ever because they enhance the work environment. Um, there's so many examples that have been mentioned here. You know, we've heard terms like outcomes and wellness and um, Alex said higher value work creation is that collaboration and experience. And if you have the right technology in, in your space, you can do that in a way that it, it makes it more joyful to be in the building. The building works for humans. You know, you're not struggling against your structure. The structure is responsive to you. And, and this is possible with today's technology. We've been in schools where teachers love this technology because they can do simple things to refocus their students in the classroom. Senior living centers can leverage lighting and tracking to promote health and understand um, contact among their residents. There's a lot talking about air quality and the impact on people. And one of my favorite stories is a Fire departments in Ohio implemented this technology, smart building technology, to coordinate their lighting with their emergency automation. Um, if you can imagine the life of a firefighter, if you're woken up at two in the morning by a jarring blare and lights flashing, 
that can be very detrimental to your health over the long run. It's hard to get used to that. So this fire department coordinated with all of these technologies together just to make some simple changes to allow the ramp ups of sound with color indicators. So the firefighters can wake up in the middle of the night more effectively, but in a less jarring way, which is ultimately better for their health and they still have the same response times. So, you know, this is this is a way that we can use technology in a whole bunch of different settings to really make people's lives better, which I think is is the key. You need to be able to really focus now on the people in the structures and and how to really create better outcomes for them. I love the way you put that, Kim. I think after living through the pandemic and kind of coming out of it and almost out of it, I think we've been asking why a lot more and why does this matter? Why does that matter? Everything we do affects us. Um, and it's awesome to hear how technology is playing such a big role in helping answer those questions of why. And it's helping to ensure the safety of people. So those answers were just so, so interesting. Turning this table, the virtual table back to you, Chuck, as we talk through helping clients meet their end goals, integrating solutions and getting everything to connect, in addition to the well-being of the workforce and employees, what are some benefits you are expecting to see from your new headquarters in Atlanta? A couple. One, to show the world how you can take existing building stock and convert it to high performance, net zero space and reduce carbon. It's a living lab to show the world how it can be done. The living lab aspect is the second part of it. How do we apply the technologies that are available to us today to collect data, to manage data, to make informed decisions with data and keep improving the process? The whole purpose of the new ASHRAE headquarters was to be a living laboratory to demonstrate and show how to design, how to engineer, and how to apply technology to improve our built solutions. So the outcomes we're looking for are to show people how to do it. And I think we're on a good path right now. I have to agree with you there. We are really in a critical moment in time and soon enough, this will be read about in textbooks and in magazines, on the news, literally everywhere. So it's truly incredible to see what organizations like yourselves are doing to support communities and bring opportunity to everyone, um, no matter where they may reside. There are a lot of components to making this all work, and it's amazing to see what you guys are doing to help overcome the many challenges we see as a society today. Many thanks to you guys, Chuck, Phil, Grant, Kim, and Alex for sharing your insights and thoughts around this complex subject. And thank you insiders for tuning in to this special episode and I hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to look out for part two of this incredible topic and as we dive in a little bit deeper into this whole aspect. Check out the show notes to find more resources to learn more from all of our different speakers today. And until we see you next time and get back into the network, ciao and stay safe.